As we prepare to hear God's word, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the sign that you have already given us of your grace in Cassius' baptism. We ask that as we read and reflect on your word, that you help us truly to receive the good news of Jesus Christ who brings us through death and into life. Lord, you alone know what is in each of our hearts and minds, and we ask that you speak to each of our situations now. Help us to hear the good news. Help us to respond to the good news. Give us your grace and your comfort this morning. Amen. Corey and Scott, can I have you guys come up now? Uh, so we have a long scripture reading this morning, so I wanted to ask a couple people to help me read it. There also are several parts where the Lord speaks, where the narrator goes for a while, and where Joshua speaks. So we're going to read this text in three parts this morning. We're also going to read chapter 3 of Joshua. We're going to pause and sing together, He Leadeth Me. We'll just remain seated for that. And then we'll continue with Joshua chapter 4. I recognize this is a long scripture. That's partly why we're breaking it up and partly why we have several readers. But there's also a lot of, a lot of things going on in terms of what words are repeated, in terms of how the story is told. So I want to invite you to track with this story, even though it's a little long, and, and really pay attention to what is going on, what is said, and how and when it's said. With that, let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all of the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. 
And let's together now sing, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. We can remain seated. We continue with Joshua chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed, in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. 
That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we're going to start by talking about a, uh, a TV show from a few years ago. We're going to start with the phrase, move that bus. Few of you recognize that. Well, a number of years ago, there was a TV show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And I'm going to walk you through one particular episode to, to give you a sense of how this show worked. So Brian Wofford and his family were really struggling. They had uh, eight kids. The wife of the family, the mother of the family, had passed away about four years before this television episode from complications from the flu, something really random and unpredictable. And they were struggling. They had a family of nine people in a house that was about 1,000 square feet. The boys were sleeping in the garage. The girls were all over the place. And Brian frequently had to choose between repairing the house or feeding his kids. So he chose to feed his kids, but over the years, their house had gotten worse and worse. And so some friends got them to, to submit an application for this Extreme Makeover Home Edition show. And then one day, the show shows up, and the people send the Wofford family off to, I think, Disneyland for a week or two of great fun and celebration there. And then they basically knock down the house. Not quite, but they tear it to pieces, and they build and build and build and build and make this wonderful new mansion. And then they bring the family back by limo, and sometimes I think they just blindfolded them, but more often they had a bus parked right in front of the house. So the family would pull up in the limo, blindfolded, they'd get out, they'd stand in front of the bus, they'd take the blindfolds off, and and then all the people who had been part of building the house, all of the people who were connected to this family had all gathered for this celebration, and they had this yell, move that bus! And the bus would slide over, and the family would cry, and they would start hugging each other and any innocent bystanders, and they'd yell, and they'd shout, and they'd dash in because this 1,000-square-foot shack had been turned into a 4,000-some-square-foot wonderful mansion where all the kids could sleep in bedrooms, in actual beds, and they had an indoor basketball court because the family loved basketball, and it was just this... When that bus moved, it was a tremendous revelation of what had been done for them, and a sign of a change in their lives. Well, the text that we read for today is a move that bus moment for ancient Israel. It's a time when when they see something that changes everything. 
So we're going to work that through today. And, and this text, as you may have noticed, circles around and repeats itself and, and has some things that don't seem quite in chronological order. So I'm not going to go through verse by verse as we often do. I'm just going to pick out the main movements of these couple chapters. And the first movement we're going to talk about is follow that ark. Follow that ark. Now, we talk about this usually as the story of the crossing of the Jordan River, but in many respects, the ark is actually at the center of the story. If you count up the times in these two chapters that the word ark shows up, it's, it's something like 17 times. It's like the author is saying, did you notice the ark? Hey, 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 are you getting tired of me talking about the ark yet? Did you notice the ark? Pay attention to the ark. Joshua 3 and 4 really want us to pay attention to what is going on with the Ark of the Covenant. And it's not really, to be honest with you, about the Ark itself. See, the Ark is a box that's supposed to go in the tabernacle or the temple and in the center of it, in the center of where all the Israelites lived. And the reason for that was that the Ark was a sign of God's presence. The people knew that they were in the presence of the Lord because he had said, where the ark goes, there I will be. So Joshua 3 and 4 really wants us to pay attention to the ark and wanted the people to pay attention to the ark. And you may have picked up there's some instructions early in Joshua 3 where it tells the people to stay a thousand yards back from the ark. Do not get close to the ark when it gets to the river. Stay way, way back. And the older thought was that that was because the ark was dangerous, because there was a holy God in there, and so you didn't want to be too close, so you might get wiped out. But more recently, commentators have worked with this text, and they, they think it's actually about everybody being able to see. If everyone's kind of piled up by the ark, it's going to be hard to see what's going on there if you aren't at the front of the crowd. So all of you, all of you stand back and watch the ark. See where it's going. Follow it and see what God is up to. This is, here in this story, the ark is a sign of God's presence. And we still have and we still need signs of God's presence. Now we are in a a different place these days. Excuse me. We are in a different place these days because God is perpetually with us. We are now the ark of the covenant. And we don't have water up here this morning. Could someone grab me some water a minute? Uh, Sandy, I'll nominate you because you're moving. Hey, that'd be great. We got it done. Since we're talking so much about water this morning, we have this very cleverly designed side. No. (laughs) This is just me having done a lot of talking the last week. But God graciously provides. Okay. So just like for ancient Israel, we have and we need signs of God's presence. If we look at the world now, we are the Ark of the Covenant. We in our own lives, we in our very own selves in some way, we are where God's presence is most visible in this world. And what this story invites us to do is to keep that in mind. We are so often distracted. We are so often pulled away by life's troubles. We so often forget that the Lord is truly with us. And so the message of Joshua 3 
follow that ark. Keep your eyes on the Lord's presence is a message for us too. We want the Lord to truly be at the center of our vision. And if we're going to follow him, that's not just what we want, but what we need. And it's not that, that your attention or my attention on the Lord makes him any happier with us or, or makes him draw any closer to us. But the more we pay attention to him, the more we are transformed and able to follow. So I want to invite you to reflect today, in the week ahead, for your whole life. Are you keeping your eyes on the Lord's presence? Is your vision really centered on the Lord God who has come to us as people? And based on that, how do you make your decisions? How do you live your life? Are you always living in the light of God's gracious presence? And this is not a guilt trip. This is not his watch out or the Lord will get you. This is the Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. Live like that's true because it is. So the people see the sign of the presence of the Lord, and, and then they follow his instructions. And our next step for today is a call to cross the river, to cross the river. Follow the ark, cross the river. And now if you've ever been to Israel and you've ever seen the Jordan, this text probably falls a little bit flat for you because the Jordan these days is more like the Salt Creek than the Mississippi River. It's maybe 20 feet across. It's maybe five or six feet deep, maybe 10, deep, it's 10 feet deep at some parts. It's not really very impressive. And often, in ancient times, it wasn't very impressive. For a lot of the year, it was something you could wade through, and you'd maybe get wet to your hips or something, and that'd be about it. But the text makes a point of saying Jordan's at flood stage. The Jordan is at flood stage. And these days, dams have tamed the river. But back then, when the Jordan flooded... It went from Salt Creek to Mississippi. It went from 20, 30 feet across, five, six feet deep. And all of a sudden, you're talking hundreds of yards, maybe even a mile wide. And of course, as it rushes through with all this torrent, it pulls up all kinds of brush and trees. And there's all kinds of holes and, and gaps. So as you go through this mile-long river that is running quickly, there are all kinds of pitfalls. There is all kinds of trouble. This is a raging river of death, and that is what the Lord has brought to his people. Now, if you, were, if you were there with me, and we were looking at the Jordan at that particular time of year, we might think, God, this is stupid. Can we wait six months? If we come back in six months, or two months maybe, we can just wade across. Now we have a mile to go, and there's all kinds of stuff in there, and that tree, and that, what, what are we doing here? But the Lord is very intentional in how he shapes this. He's very intentional in bringing the people to the Jordan at flood stage. He is not making life easy for his people. He's not. He's showing them the realities of how this world is, and he is showing them that it is hopeless. This will be a terrible crossing. And then what does the Lord do? Then the Lord in, in the presence, the presence of the Lord in the ark comes to the river, and all of a sudden it's dry ground. Wham! About 20 miles up, the river suddenly backs up. It's like God just picks up the whole river and moves it in a heap and drops it 15 or 20 miles away. 
And then the people cross. And, and the text plays around with this concept. We're not quite sure how deeply to read into it, but, but it talks about dry ground several times. And maybe that just means absence of water. So, okay, you're crossing on mud, but at least you're not swimming. But there's a sense where the text wants us to kind of hear, this is actually ground that the Lord has supernaturally dried out. This is so wonderful that God picked up all the water, threw it upriver, and dried out the land for all of you to walk across on dry ground. The ark of the Lord hits the troubled water, and bam, it's gone. Gone. And this is undeniable power. And the Lord continues to show us signs of his power. He often brings us into impossible circumstances in order to show that he is almighty. If we were standing in front of the Jordan River today and it was in flood stage, we would think there is endless trouble here. We cannot possibly get through this. It is too much. It is too overwhelming. It is too awful. But this text shows us that the Lord has the power to carry us through. Water is full of symbolism in the Bible, and sometimes it's positive symbolism. Often it's negative. And let's focus on the negative for a moment. Water here is the symbol of evil, of death, of destruction, of hopelessness. And God in his power for the sake of his people just scoops all that up and throws it out of the way as if it was nothing. A mile-wide river, 10 feet deep, roaring by, all of a sudden is dry ground. What kind of power is that? And what we see later in the Bible, and what we see really at the center of this story and the whole Christian story, is that Jesus himself has the power to do that for us. Jesus himself enters the river of death and he goes down into the very depths of it and then all of a sudden on Easter Sunday it's like Jesus just picks all that up and throws it away. And so we can walk through on dry ground. There are lots of challenges in the meantime. We have our horrible times and our our impossible seasons. But Jesus has conquered death for us. Jesus has conquered death for us. And so we are invited to remember that story. And in fact, I said earlier the ark in some ways is at the center of this story, but what really is at the center of this story is the call to remember. That's what Joshua 3 and 4 really wants us to get out of this story. Not not that the Lord was present, not that the Lord was powerful, but that you should remember that the Lord was present and powerful so that you live in that way today. The people pick up these 12 huge stones and they make this marker. And the idea is that decade after decade, generation after generation, kids would walk around and and walk in with their dad say, what in the world is that? And their father would have the chance to tell the story over and over again of God's faithfulness to his people. Of how God brought them through even the impossible. And so the text tells us, in ages to come, when your children ask, what's up with that? You have an opportunity to help them learn and remember the story of God's grace. We have signs of God's presence. We have signs of God's power. And we have signs of God's faithfulness. 
The Lord is faithful to us. Now I want to ask you two questions, one more personal, one more communal. Do you have anything in your life that helps remind you of the Lord's presence and power? Do you have anything in your life? Maybe it's a past experience, maybe it's a possession, maybe it's a Bible verse, but do you have anything that you can look to in your life and be regularly reminded regularly remember how great and how awesome, how mighty and how wonderful the Lord is. And if you don't have that, then I invite you to, to think about your life today and, and to think about the scriptures and to think about if there might be some way that you could remind yourself and remember that the Lord is good, that he is gracious, that he cares for us, that he is faithful no matter what. So that, that's for you individually. Now, I want to ask you communally, do we have any signs? Do we have any signs of God's power, his presence, and his faithfulness? Do we? We have two pieces of furniture up here that we use for sacraments, signs and seals of God's presence. When we baptized Cash a little bit ago, we were in some sense bringing him through the Jordan River. And all of God's people passed through these waters. We pass, because of Jesus' death, we pass through death to our sin and pass into new life. And so every time we celebrate this sacrament, we should be reminded of, of the story of Joshua 3 and 4 and the story of how God is always walking with us through the rivers of death and trouble. And we have the table. We have the table that helps us to remember, and not just to remember, but, but to be drawn into the experience of Christ's death on our behalf, and even more, to be drawn into the life that he gives us now. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we will here next week, we are reminded that the Lord, the Lord has picked up the waters of trouble and suffering and death and, and thrown them up the river. And so we come through the water on dry ground and we can celebrate that we are in the promised land even now because we are in the presence of the Lord. You know, we redid the sanctuary recently and one of the things that we did was, was darken the stain on, on the pulpit and on these two pieces of liturgical furniture. And part of that is because we want to remember we want to remember these signs of God's grace to us, that he gives us the gift of his word, that he gives us the gift of his baptism, that he gives us the gift of his supper because he has given us his powerful presence and he is always faithful. Always, always, always faithful. Cash's passage through the water of baptism is a reminder for all of us that the Lord has gone before us and prepared a way for us. And that does not mean that everything is okay right now. Life is still so hard. But it does mean that the Lord is with us. So today, remember, remember, remember. Remember the gifts and the signs of the Lord and remember that he is with us and for us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today with hearts that are full hearts that are full of joy and wonder and celebration, and yet, as is the case every week, also hearts for some of us that are full of grief and trouble and worry. 
Lord, as we hear this story, for some of us, it's easy for for us to think of signs of your presence and power, for us to rejoice in your faithfulness. Father, for others of us, we feel like we're still standing on the other side of the Jordan, and we don't know what to do, and we don't know how this is going to work out. Lord, please help us. Please help us to have you at the center of our vision. Help us to be able to know, to feel, to experience, to rejoice in the reality that you are with us no matter what. Father, we pray all this in your name, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who went through the waters for us, and in the name of your Holy Spirit, our comforter and our living water. We pray all this in your name. Amen.